Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD for June 5th, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me in the studio today is Justin Nielsen, Market Research Director of IBD. Thanks for being here, Justin. Hey, it's a pleasure. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the current market, our swing trader product, and a number of our other products, how they help you gauge the current environment. And we're going to end the podcast with some current stocks. And also, we're going to go over a question from one of our listeners. And just a reminder, if you have questions or feedback, send an email to investingpodcast at investors.com. Okay, Justin, let's get into the current market. Now, the market is in a correction. Right. And you guys, I, 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 I was speaking with Chris on last uh, podcast, the last week's podcast, and uh, you guys did a great job at calling this correction really early on using the vertical violation concept that we discussed uh, in the last podcast. Um, but uh, so, so far, we're still in that correction. But we've had a, we had a strong rally yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, a decent follow-through today, on, or, or decent, yeah, not, not, let's not follow say follow-through, let's be very follow-through. careful of that. But uh, a decent yeah. second uh, yes. day mm-hmm. of, of an attempted rally. Uh, and so it's, it's uh, day number two of an attempted rally right. on the S&P and the NASDAQ. And actually, day number three on the Dow, if we're mm-hmm. looking at that. But uh, but we're looking for that follow-through day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's just real quickly go over what a follow-through day is, You know, just to remind our listeners. Uh, the idea behind a follow-through day is that it's not just one day that you need. You need kind of a confirmation of the strength. So what we had already is day one. And... You know, that's just a day that's up. Day one of an attempted rally. Day one so of an attempted rally. Attempt a rally. Right. So the market is attempting a rally. You've got a downtrend, and it's it's trying to rally from that downtrend. Now, as you mentioned, this is day two, day three for the Dow. And what we do is we start counting. As long as we don't undercut the low, then the rally's intact. Once you undercut the low, the downtrend is back in play, and, right. and you so need to look for another count. rally. Right. Yeah, so you need to look for another rally. So um, at, at this point, it's day two, day three, depending on what index you're looking for. We need at least day four before we start looking for a follow-through day. And what we're looking for in a follow-through day is uh, one of the indexes to be up at least one to one and a quarter percent, and volume needs to be heavier than the previous day. It doesn't have to be above average. It just has to be above the previous day. And then that kind of confirms that you you potentially have changed direction and you're now in an uptrend of course the caveat there is they don't all work you know but uh we tend to try and do a little bit of buying when we see that follow-through day we really you know buckle down and make sure we're doing our searching for watch list stocks and um if it works then you're getting in pretty close to the bottom as little as four days away from the bottom and if it doesn't work you're not plunging in you're not having Oh, okay. I was zero percent invested. Now I'm a hundred percent. You know, I'm on margin. It's you let a little bit out. You know, buy a few stocks here and there, and then if they're working, then you could put more money at risk. If they don't work, then you know, you no harm, no foul. You're going to take a little bit of a hit, but not get hurt too much. Yeah, I, I always like to say, let the market slowly pull you in, right? right. Day by day, week by week. And if it's going to be a real rally, if this turns out to be a real rally, if we say we get a fall through day over the next few days, uh, you're going to have a number of opportunities to slowly put more and more money to work. Now, Mm -hmm. one thing to keep in mind, because yesterday was a pretty powerful day, and a number of leading stocks have continued to act pretty well today, too. But uh, the most powerful rallies will happen during corrections. Right. 
Yeah. And uh, this is something, you know, we, we, we talk about a lot in our presentations. I mean, you and I go out on the road, uh, you know, we speak to investors. And, you know, one of the things that we have in our presentation is, look, the top 10 days of the NASDAQ composite were all during corrections. You know, you look at the dates and it's 2001, 2008, you know, and, and these were big big rally days. 14%, right. I think, was the top one. Oh my you know, God. it was up 14% in a day. When was that? Like 2001? Yeah, I think it was 2001. And that's one of those things where the, you know, you're, you're you turn on the TV and you see it and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is this is right. wonderful. You know, right. everything is back to normal. And it's yeah. like, no, that's the worst days are surrounded. I mean, I'm sorry, the best days are surrounded by the worst days. And yeah. so that's a, another reason why when people start talking about why you can't time the market, they always say how bad you would do if you took out the top 10 days and how bad your yes, performance is. Exactly. Yeah. But they're around the worst days. So, you know, how can you take out the top 10 days and not say anything about the worst days that are surrounding them? It's right. just so, so unfair. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, speak, speaking of a, a bad day, we had a really bad day on Monday. Yeah. Right? And, mm -hmm. and a lot of our stocks really sold hard. Uh, and they broke support levels. Yeah. Now, a number of them have come back over the last few days. Uh, but I think the key here is also you're waiting for the fall today, but... You also want to see how the week ends. It's, yes. Uh, so far, it's been a very volatile week, but let's see how the week ends, and that's going to give us more insight. Maybe we get that fall today, but also we'll get more insight on those individual stocks. Right. And the way I look at it right now is you have to be ready for anything, you know, because this is, I mean, we had a rally that kind of started in, you know, right after we broke below the 50-day moving average. So, you know, let's kind of just walk back a little bit to what you and Chris were talking about last week. Yep. You know, May 13th, that was that was our vertical violation where we really sliced through the 50-day moving average in a big way. Volume was heavy and a lot of stocks were, you know, under pressure at that point. Yes. You immediately rallied. Exactly. And so, you know, we were like, oh gosh, we we really came down hard and we were thinking that this was our signal yeah. and then we got an immediate rally and it's like, oh, you know, that's that's where you can really start doubting yourself. Yep. But then it got back above the 50 day moving average and boom, turned right back down. So that was kind of where we've been right now. Um, now we're in another rally phase because what happened there, we undercut the low. That's right. Of that. You know, and you undercut the one. low of the on that May 13th, the, the day that you gave the vertical violation. Right. Next few days, it rallied up on lower volume. Yeah. We had right? three days up. Yep. Mm -hmm. and on, on the NASDAQ volume, at least. On the NASDAQ. Yep. Uh, lower volume, barely got above the 50-day, then the downtrend resumed, mm -hmm. undercut the low of that vertical violation day. May so 13th. now we have to reset our count. Exactly. It's no longer, that rally is no longer intact. And now we're, you know, trying again. This time, now we've gone below the 200-day moving average, yes. a longer-term level of support, and we took out the March lows uh, on the NASDAQ composite. So if you go back to that, like, 73.32 yep. back in March. March 8th. Yeah, so we took that out. Um, it, it, it closed above it, I think, that day. You know, I think I think it was like at 70, 73.33. Uh, yeah. Just like by a point. But it, it did undercut that low. So, um, yeah, so now the question is, okay, do we rally from here? Or, you know, is this another one of those cases where you get a few days of a rally and then another leg down? Yep. So and now we have to I, see. I, I think one key, one positive for the bulls, or, or maybe get potentially getting a fall today signal in the near future, is we that undercut that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, on March, uh, a lot of times, if you undercut a a previous key kind of support, it's not necessarily a key support level, but it was kind of a significant level because it was a short term bottom in the previous rally. Mm -hmm. 
you undercut that, now you're shaking out even more uh, weak holders, right? And mm-hmm. more people are giving up because, like, oh my God, you took out this level too. Mm-hmm. So more people are giving up on it. Now, when you get everyone out of the market, that's where the market now is has a chance to keep crawling higher because everyone who wanted to get out has gotten out right. at that point. And, and that's also where we start looking at some of our psychological market indicators like the the fear index, the, the what's called the VIX, uh, yes. the volatility index. Um, you know, when you start seeing rising levels there. Now, the VIX really hasn't, I mean, it had a, a pretty big spike early in May, yeah, but it really hasn't spiked up too Which much. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, the put call volume yep. uh, ratio um, that's another thing we take a look at. That did spike a little, you know, to some of those levels that we often see at short-term bottoms. Yep. Um, but there really hasn't been the overwhelming fear. I mean, nothing like what we saw in December. You know, yes. like in December, that's where y- you could really see a big change in the VIX. You could see a big change in a lot of these fear signals where people were just like, "Oh my gosh," you know, and and that, that's how it always is at the bottom. You know, it's oh my gosh, this. This could be really, really bad, and right. maybe it's never going to come back. You know. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, yeah but I, I, I feel like I kind of got that kind of panic or kind of worry by looking at the leading stocks. At least, like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, they were holding up so well, and all of a sudden, the the doors open, the, the floors just opened. Yeah, for for those stocks, and they just plummeted, and yeah. they, and they just went right through the fifty day moving average, and uh, you know things like that. So it, that I think. At least for our kind of investors or people who are looking at growth uh, stocks, that at least did enough to to scare out some people because they did breaks. A number of them broke below the 50-day on, on pretty good volume. And and that's a good counterpoint to what we're seeing right now. We haven't had the floor dropping out of a yep. lot of these leaders. Uh, you know, a lot of the leading sectors, and we can talk about this in one of the later segments. You know, software. Um, now, chips. You know, chips got got pretty hurt. You know, that was a, a big thing. And of it course did. you have But that that was like a few weeks before the, that that's just been kind of Right, but in but early that, May, that right? happens a lot of times yes. where yes. the the you know, the leading sectors will will start rolling over in kind of anticipation of weakness and of course you've got the trade war talk that, you know, kind of accelerated that yep. decline in the chips yep. since a lot of that, you know, is back and forth with China. Um so you you know, you definitely have a lot of leaders out there that are that are holding up well, and so that's why you have to be ready for anything. I think. You know, yeah, because, you have to be nimble. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. and 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 it really is keep an open mind, because the one thing is when when you learn to protect yourself in in a correction, right? All of a sudden, now you start to realize that corrections are opportunities. Yes, because mm-hmm. it, the the best the the, the best stocks are going to reveal mm-hmm. themselves because they're going to hold up the best relative strength. They're gonna maybe they'll break break below the support for a few days, but then they'll come back up. On the weekly charts, they'll look good. So you you don't want to drift away, right? To right now, it, obviously we've all given back profits, given back money, and it is sad and depressing, <laughs> right? But and, hopefully, if people were you know paying attention to those signals and paying attention to when the big picture went to market and correction, right. they didn't get as hurt. That's true. Know? And so that's something we'll talk about in the next segment with some of our products. So let's talk about one other thing very, very briefly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vertical violation, let's just follow up to that. Now with a vertical violation, usually how successful is the first fall today after a vertical violation signal? It, it's the failure rate is very high. Okay. So so again, you know, just to kind of reiterate what you and 
Chris were talking about last week, you know, that vertical violation is where you, you have the weakness and then you really kind of get a vertical nature to it. It's, it's not a it's not a drift down and I'm just going to like, oh, meander below the moving averages or support. Right. It's like I'm going to slice through it. And, yeah. and that's what we saw. And a lot of times that just requires more time. Yep. You know, so a lot of times and I'm, I'm sure Chris talked about this. A lot of times we have to see maybe three months time before that fixes itself. Now, this is a very news driven event yeah. with the trade war stuff, uh, global recession fears now. Yeah. And you see that hitting the 10 year Treasury. So there is a big news driven component to this, but that is typically what we see. And so that's why a lot of times that first follow through day fails. And then you start, you know, you, you don't always undercut the lows, but you do have a lot of sideways action for a while. So the market is still in a correction. Now, remember, leading stocks are testing their key support areas. So build that watch list. Don't drift too far away from this market because, as we know, the market can turn before we know it. Uh, let's take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk about some of our products, how they help us gauge the market environment. So stay tuned. Want to find stocks like the ones on this podcast? A lot of the best names we talk about come from IBD's exclusive stock lists, like the IBD 50 and the Big Cap 20. Whatever type of investor you are, we got a list for you. You can access every one of IBD's lists, plus stock ratings, exclusive analysis, and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a membership to IBD Digital. It costs less than a dollar a day, but for podcast listeners, we're offering an even better price. Go to investors.com slash podcast offer right now and get your first two months for only $20. We're back with Justin Nielsen on investing with IBD. And so let's get into talking about how some of our products help us gauge the market environment. Uh, and we can start with Swing Trader, but we use, we use kind of this gauge all the time to let us know if this is the right environment for growth stocks or not. Yeah, and, and that's a big thing. You know, you got to start with uh, are, are, the, are the wins in your favor, you know, if you want to use a sailing analogy. And, um, you know, you can certainly trade in any environment, but the odds are very different when you have a market in an uptrend. Um, you know, I when I first started investing, it was the late 90s. Yeah. I thought I was a genius because oh, yeah. everything I touched was gold. I exactly. thought this was the easiest game in the world. Um, and, you know, it, I didn't realize at the time that it was the market that made me look so good. Yep. Um, I realized that in 2001 when everything I touched was like, oh, this isn't working. You know, so if you can have that market at your back kind of thing, then um, that makes a very big difference. And so that's where sometimes uh, with our products, because we're putting you know, trades on all the time on our lists and things like that. It really kind of keeps us in tune with what's happening with the market at any given point in time. So let's go back to last October, mm -hmm. uh, in October 2018. Right. And uh, with Swing Trader, mm -hmm. how many ideas did you have <laughs> going on at that? Well, point? and and here's the thing. It was so funny because um, in late September there was there was a really strong rally, and you know we. You know, we're putting things on. Right, right, we right. had like seven names on at one point on Swing Trader, and and just to kind of let people know what Swing Trader is, it's 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 more focused on swing trading, which is a shorter term investing style. Right, so around like what three, three to ten five, days. Five to ten days. Five, ten days. I, I would say our average holding is probably about six point seven days. You know, oh, something okay. like that. Um, of course, the ones that don't work, they're usually off within you know, under five days, right. you know, three days. Um, the ones that work, uh, those can have maybe a little bit longer. Maybe they get held for like 13 days. So it is a shorter term uh, 
time frame that we're looking at. As a result, you know, a lot of times the stocks that we're looking at, as opposed to the bases that are maybe seven to eight weeks long, right. they might be seven to eight days long. Yeah. And rather than using the 50-day moving average as we would for like a position trade, because hey, you know, if you're looking at a couple months or 50 days at least time frame for your holding period, you know, that makes sense. But we are using the five day and the 10 day a lot more as the relevant moving averages for us. So it's it's a little bit quicker paced, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of uh, a, a much shorter time frame. And we also sometimes will use volume, you know, a shorter time frame on the volume rather than the 50 day moving average of volume. We'll say, OK, if this is a 10 day base, you know, how how does the volume compare to the last 10 days? Or, OK, you know, the, the consolidation here in the base. So um, so you had seven you had seven you ideas had seven, in, in know, September. Right. Because there was that brief rally. And the other part of this is we're taking profits a lot of times very early rather yep. than waiting for 20 to 25 percent. We're taking profits at, you know, five, 10 percent. And so what was happening was we we really got aggressive at the end of September with the number of names that we were putting on. And then we were getting profits on them, profits on them. It was great. Um, but then what we were finding is at the end of September, we weren't finding anything to replace the names we were taking off. And that's what happens a lot of times. So that happened also back in February of 2018. Yes. If you remember that, oh, there, was I, that I really, remember. Yes. <laughs> there was that really dramatic correction in February of 2018. And we... I think our last stock on there was NVIDIA. And, you know, we had that. And on the first, we took it out. Yep. And we were completely out when that quick 11% correction happened, the NASDAQ composite. And that's another example of a vertical violation. You know, now Swing Trader didn't exist, um, you know, back in 2016. Well, it started in April of 2016, March, April 2016. But we had just come out of a correction then. Yes. That was another vertical violation. You yep. know, so. A lot of times what happens, you know, whether it's a vertical violation or not, you do find yourself naturally getting out with swing trader, you know, because you just we aren't finding things that are looking as compelling. Um, we've taken the profits and it just naturally gets us out a lot of times. And how, how do you use a leaderboard uh, to get this kind of insight? And now leaderboard is the way I describe leaderboard. It's a great, great learning tool. It's kind of our, the mid-tier product and Mm-hmm. All the products. Uh, Mark Smith's our top tier product, and investors.com's the the entry level mm-hmm. product. Uh, but leaderboard now you have a team going through. They're using Mark Smith's finding ideas, right? And they're picking out a few ideas, putting mm-hmm. them on leaderboard, and saying, okay. He, and the, and what's really nice is they're they're walking you through. Yeah. Right. Here's a couple of the handle. This is why I like we like these stocks. This is how it fits into our strategy. Right. And, and that was the whole thing why Leaderboard was created in the first place back in July of 2011. It's because we had all these lists in the paper, you know, oh, the IBD 50 list. It was actually the IBD 100 That's at the right. time. Yes. Um, you have the Big Cap 20. You have all these different lists, and people were saying, look, that's still a lot, and I still, like, need some help walking through this. And that's kind of what Leaderboard is. So yeah. um, we have a lot of experience on the team, um, you know, on the markets team. I've, I've been doing this for 20 years, over 20 years now. And I'm still the newbie. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, Scott Latonin is the only guy I beat, you know, and that's only because how old was he 20 years ago, you know? Um, uh, but, three. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, you've got a lot of experience on the team, you know, people that have been doing this for a very long time. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm the second newest, uh, I guess I should say. Um, so, you know, you have. And it's it's more than just oh let's let's throw ideas out there as you said we're kind of this is why this is how it fits in the strategy and where 
the leaderboard has been helping lately is we've kind of switched our focus to a little bit of a managing it more like a portfolio mm -hmm. because once we got custom alerts uh, and this was February I think of uh, yeah I think it was February of this past year 2018 um, the uh, ability to have custom alerts to say hey we're putting this on as a half position you know that kind of changed things for us we could treat it a little bit more like we treat our portfolios because yeah. as we talked about in the last segment we don't go all in right. now we'll do some testing you know testing of the waters and that's a big thing you know and swing trader um, on that way down from October, you know, October fourth is when things really got yes. bad. Yes. That's when that's when it was like okay, and, and this that's is when different. that that's when the investors.com, the big picture had are under pressure, market under pressure. Right. Right. And so um, from then until December, January, everything we did was test trade. Yeah. You know, just 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 a single, sometimes a half position. Yeah. Um, now leaderboard, you know, leaderboard, you know, it, it's kind of that's more of the position trading, not swing trading. And so one of the things we did with leaderboard was when we started to see a turn, once we had had like, oh, we got 20% correction, um, now we, we're at a point where we could rally from here. That's where we put on UPRO. Now, yes. of course, UPRO is a triple leverage of the spiders. So it basically whatever the S&P 500 does, it does triple that. You know, it's a, it's a leveraged ETF. But the reason why we did that then was because we were trying to make sure that we were we were very, you know, had a very small percent invested. We had very few names on at the time because we had naturally come out because of the correction. Um, but UPRO allowed us to kind of manage our risk level versus the S&P 500. Yep. We weren't going to underperform the S&P 500 by too much because of that UPRO position. Yep. In the same way, what we did this time was we wanted to protect the profits. So on leaderboard, we had over 20% gain for the year very quickly. And you know we were really beating the S&P 500 very strongly. And we wanted to keep that. So what we did was we put, in this case, a SQQQ. And that's the triple inverse of the NASDAQ 100. And the reason why we did that was because we wanted to, we had some stocks that we were still keeping just in case, you know, especially software was such right, a strong, right, exactly. strong uh, sector. So just in case this was a very short term correction, we wanted to kind of offset, and we were okay that our SQQQ was going to offset our stock positions, you know, but that was going to keep us relatively even with the S&P 500. So that's the way some of our products, and, and we explain this, you know, we explain this when we take a position in any of these, we'll say, this is what we're doing, you know, and we can send a custom alert to communicate with our subscribers to kind of let them, uh, you know, get a little insight into why we're doing the things that we do. Yeah, well, I, I think another benefit, and I, I'll, I'll speak from for MarketSmith, is if you're using some of the same idealists mm -hmm. over and over again, you're going to notice the, the subtleties and, and the changes. And so the growth through 50, and that's that's the main list I go through. And, right. And, and you look through that, too. I mean, that's, I think, the main list we all use. Right, exactly. Yeah, so on the weekend. <laughs> it's a very good list. Yeah, There's a reason. It's a nice cast, nice wide mm -hmm. net. Uh, when you're in a good market, it's hitting 300. Yeah. That's the max. Mm hmm when you get in a really tough market, the minimum is 75. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I can't remember exactly, but it, it got close to, uh, pretty much close to 75 mm -hmm. when, when we were in December of right. 2018. Uh, now, once it really sells off and starts hitting that 75, you know you're already in a bad market. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's almost, it's almost as a secondary indicator it's become for me, because that's rare. The last time I saw that uh, hitting 75, was in uh, February of 2016. Yeah, 
And you also see a change in kind of the names because it was a lot of, uh, I, I remember this because this was still when you and I sat uh, right by each other. Oh, you we, know? Yes. So we were sitting back to back. Uh, I was sitting and you were sitting right behind me. And I remember that we kept on talking about, oh, my gosh, what, what's coming up on the list? Utilities. Yes. REITs. Exactly. It was, you know, the income stocks. You know, I <laughs> right. think I wrote my first income <laughs> column and I'm like, I don't know, what, what am I going to write about? And it was like, oh, there's plenty on the IBD 50 and the growth 250 right yeah. now in the income category. Yeah. So you definitely see a change in what starts appearing on the list. And, and so you don't want to necessarily assume when, when you start seeing that, that, oh, this, we're going to be in a correction for a long time. A lot of times if you start seeing that, yeah. you're like, okay. Everyone who's wanting to get out, they're probably gone now, right. and now we're waiting for that catalyst and, and another fall today. So I, mm-hmm. I use those, those just those numbers as gauges. Even the William O'Neill screen on on Market Smith, I think the lowest it went to was like fourteen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually hovering around eighteen to right. eight, eight, I'm sorry, eighty to hundred. Mm-hmm. It was like down to fourteen, yeah. maybe eight intraday when it got really bad. Um, and so you knew it's it's kind of like the the call ratio that we spoke about right. last week mm-hmm. or, or the VIX that you just mentioned. And, you know, another thing that um, th- this is something that a few subscribers uh, started pointing out to us. And I, I think I saw someone mention this on Twitter as well. Um, when you start seeing the accumulation distribution for the indexes, yeah. you know, the indexes, yes. uh, if, if you look on the general markets page, does have an accumulation distribution rating. When you start seeing that get to E. That's usually something that you yeah, will usually yeah. see before a you know. So some of our longtime readers and, and and people who've been there really from day one, yeah. in, <laughs> investors business daily's launch, uh, yeah, they pointed those out uh, out that, uh, that that's very important. They pointed that out to me too. Mm-hmm. And that, and so you can go to investors.com and the general markets page uh, for that. But uh, yeah, all of these are going to act as great gauges when when they knock out these great leading stocks. And there's nothing left to buy. You know you're in a, obviously you're, you're hopefully you already know that you're in a bad market. Mm-hmm. But when you start seeing that, there uh, that turn could be uh, around the corner. And so you're just waiting for that follow through day, and you always want to be nimble. I think that's the big thing that we can stress for this episode is always keep an open mind, even mm-hmm. though these things uh, can look really badly bad at times. You want to keep an open mind because these markets are so resilient. Yeah. They can change. And you, in the end, you don't want to let your emotions right. tell you what to do. You have to let the market tell you what yeah. to do. And, you know, you were talking about a bill story. You know, like, oh, okay. can we get a bill story here? So here's, um, you know, when I first started working for Bill, I was his assistant for, I don't know, 15 20 years. 15 yeah, years. 15 yeah. years. Yeah. So you were the envy of, <laughs> of many. <laughs> right. Justin. September 99 is when I first started working for him. And if you remember that market, it was horrible. And, um, I, I had to bring him to the airport. You know, he, he said, you know, oh, Justin, can you bring me to the airport real quick? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the first time I'm driving Bill O'Neill. <laughs> and I was driving this really dumpy car. It's like a Ford Festiva, like this three-cylinder car. And he's telling me about his take on the market. He's like, I'm, you know, just bearish, bearish, bearish. You know, I sent a note out to 500 clients. And three weeks later, you know, just, just a few weeks later, we had a follow-through day. And I look, and he's like super heavy invested. You know, and of course – from October 99 to March of 2000, you know, he made a ton of money. Yeah. And I'm like, you were so bearish. You know, he's like, it was almost like he didn't remember. He never stuck to his guns in terms of if he had a, you know, a thought, a thesis, once the market proved him wrong, he said, okay, forget it. This is what the market is doing right now. I have to, I have to do what the market is doing. And it was almost like he didn't even remember that he had been so adamant about what he thought was going to happen. He was always able to kind of turn very quickly. And so that's what you have to do. Even if you come up with a thesis and you say, you know what, I think this is bad. I think it's going to get worse. 
you have to be ready for you to be wrong and the market to be right. And if you can adjust to that uh, reality of what the market is doing, you'll do okay. Yeah, and, and so the only way you get through that is by looking at enough actionable ideas, noticing the changes, and that's going to give you that great gauge on the market. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a few stocks that are setting up in this market and also a question from one of our listeners. So stay tuned. Engaged investors can find profitable trades in up, down, and sideways markets. But how do you adjust your trading and keep your portfolio growing when the market outlook changes? Join IBD for a free investing webinar on Tuesday, June 18th. We'll show you strategies you can use to trade with the market direction, not against it, and find winning trades while protecting your profits. And if you watch it live, you'll get the chance to have your investing questions answered by our market experts. Go to investors.com webinar to register and save your spot. We're back with Justin Nielsen on investing with IBD. Now, Justin, let's talk about some current stocks. But before we get into that, let's start off with the, our question from the listener, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so here's the question. And this is from Mark Siegel. How do you know that a stock is under accumulation when we're in a correction? It's a great question. Thanks, right. Mark. Yeah. So uh, a, a few things that I would kind of take a look at. And, and this is the reason why this is an important question is because when the market is in a correction, you don't want to just be falling asleep. You know, it, it, it's not the time to be disengaged. Um, you want to be ready. And I, I think you've really drummed this point home today. You want to be ready for that opportunity when it comes. And you don't know when it can come. I mean, it, Four days, you know, four days from the bottom, it can come as early as that. So right. you have to kind of have your watch list always fresh. And so what you're looking for, there's a few things you might look for. Um, one of the things I really like to look for is, you know, the stronger stocks. So strong relative strength, what's holding up, you know, being aware of that. We have the accumulation distribution rating. And that, of course, uh, I mentioned that for the indexes, but each stock also has an accumulation distribution rating that tells you, hey, what is the volume like on the downside versus the volume like on the upside? And that can be a good gauge. But I think if you just want to use a chart as a picture, tight action Yes. You know, is generally what I'm looking for. You know, when you see that wide and loose action, um, you know, that that tends to mean, hey, you know, this 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 is going through a lot of price discovery. Yeah. But when you so see a that a lot of volatility. Right, a lot of volatility. But when you see the tight action, you know, and this could be something that was volatile and now gets tighter. Yes. You know, those are the things that I'm kind of looking for in a correction to tell me, hey, this is something that that could be special and could be setting up for the next move. I, I think another easy way to to look at it is some of the stocks that you you missed on the previous rally, mm -hmm. they're like oh you know, and they they went up on these great runs, and right. you, you missed it. This might be your chance to get into it. So they may come down pretty hard. It might mm -hmm. be wide and loose initially, really long price bars, but then they tighten up and they tighten up around a key moving average, like the ten week moving average. Yeah, uh, they go sideways. Their relative strength line is still strong. Their relative strength rating is still pretty high in the nineties. Mm -hmm. The higher, the better, too. That's one thing I learned uh, when I came in house. It's you know ninety ninety's good, ninety five's better. But if it's above ninety, we really want like ninety seven and ninety nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so so those two, and then of course the usually the first ones that form a base. Right. 
are the ones that could be the next leaders in the in the next and rally. the first ones that break out. Yes, you know this is something I learned very early on too. Uh, in 1998, I remember Charles Schwab was the one that broke out on the follow through day, and yeah. that was the one that Bill nailed at that time, and you know had a 400 percent gain on in six months. So you know being being ready and being able to buy on the follow through day on those stocks that are setting up is is absolutely critical and you know it's it's going to vary because if you have an intermediate correction that's where we are right now right. It, it's we've corrected 10% that's yep. the intermediate correction type um, that doesn't necessarily flush out a whole new brand of leadership you know so you could have your leaders come back and you know those are as you said the ones that are getting support at their 50 day moving average um, you know usually when you have a more serious correction that's where you see a little bit more turnover in the leadership where what led before tends to not lead again right. in, in that next cycle but intermediate corrections that's not the case and and one thing that we we've spoken about a lot during the this podcast a number of the episodes the the leading stocks it shouldn't be a surprise anymore the, the software stocks yeah right so those are stocks that if you want to see if they're being accumulated or, or y- you want to definitely pay close attention, especially this week, mm-hmm. right? So so we spoke about earlier, Earlier, Monday was a, a really bad day. Yeah. And so a lot of these softer stocks got hit, broke the 50-day. Broke their 50 days hard. Hard, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Now the last couple of days, they've come back. Mm-hmm. And so if you look on a weekly chart, they look pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have two more days left right. in the week. Yeah. So let's see how they, they form. And then, of course, let's see if they start doing the tight action and kind of get quiet. Because a lot of times when it's that quiet kind of period, that tight action, everyone stopped watching yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And and that that's another kind of key. The ones who are slowly accumulating are, are the large institutions. I was just going to say that, but that, of course that, that's were. where that accumulation, you know. And and of course, Bill used to say this all yeah. the time. That that he used to call it the stealth accumulation. When you like see it. the three weeks tight, and you know you see that tight action, this is where the institutions that understand the story, that have their analysts out there kicking the tires on all these companies, they're looking at the opportunity of, hey, I can get some more shares, and so they a lot of times will absorb that selling. And so it, it is that quiet accumulation. And, and you know, it's, it's not like everything broke below its 10-week line or a 50-day line. I mean, you had stocks like Team that did hold, you know, right at the 50-day right. line. Yep. And, you know, so you did have some of them that held. Um, you know, one thing that I'm looking at is that there was really heavy volume on the break, a little bit lighter volume as these are rebounding. Um, but as you mentioned, that's what you're seeing on the daily, on the weekly you're still seeing some pretty tight action and maybe tight action on those closes. And when you see the tight action on the closes, which we'll find out at the end of the week, that can be telling you something about that quiet accumulation. And and I think that also emphasizes the point why you want to look at both time frames. Absolutely. Right? Always look at both daily and weekly because, yeah, daily tells one thing. Right. And, and but the weeklies tell another. And mm-hmm. so we'll see who's right. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the week and also over the next uh, month or so. Sure. Uh, okay, so let's get into uh, current stocks, mm-hmm. and uh, so we'll, we'll talk about a, we'll talk about a couple stocks that have been, I guess, I guess on the radar, everyone's radar, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, and and this one started acting even better today. The last couple of days it started acting better is Uber, yeah, right, yeah, and so. and so I'll hopefully most people who are listening to this podcast know uh, about Uber now. I remember Uber was just mind blowing the first time. I took it. I think it was like in 2014. Mm-hmm. We, I, we this is when we were we were doing a trading summit at Chicago. It was like the first trading summit we did. Was that with Christine? Uh, 
maybe? It was back. Yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And we she had was like the one that ordered. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, because like she's a millennial. And so yes. she's like, oh, you know, she's using Uber all the time. And, you know, you and I are like, what? You know, <laughs> it was mind blowing. You're going to have a some... stranger pick me up? Right? You know, <laughs> some random car came. <laughs> right, we don't exactly. know who is. You know, it, you know, guy shows up and this, this isn't a yellow cab. This is <laughs> exactly. like, you know, this guy has a car seat in the back. What's going on? You know? <laughs> but it worked. We weren't murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we're still here. But that, and she it, just paid for it. She yeah. got the receipt, which, I mean, expense reports, you know, oh, yeah. keeping track it, of the receipt. It was all just emailed, right? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. You, you, we, just, we just walked out of the car. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> the poor girl had to tell us, no, it's okay. You're fine because we're looking around like, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. So at, really at that point when you, when you experience that first Uber ride, it's mind-blowing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's game-changing. And mm-hmm. so that's what you want to get in the habit of is like, wow, this was a, a pretty revolutionary experience that we just went through. Right. Now, finally, they came out public. Obviously, everyone knows about yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Their market cap is massive, the mm-hmm. largest probably IPO ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they sold off. Like we, so so let's, let's just briefly talk about IPOs here. We're not going to go out and buy an op- IPO right on day one. Right? Not going to touch it. Yeah. We're going to wait for a Never done it. Never planned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just like Uber, we waited. Right. And and so we're going to wait for a setup. Now, the earliest type of setup that we can get when you're using a pattern is this uh, is an IPO base, which is a really short pattern. Mm-hmm. A, a uh, I think 15 days is the shortest. Uh, get, right? You know is what? Actually, a, Mike said it could be as short as five. five. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think I think Allie corrected me on video one day. Yeah. Oh, well, so okay. um, seven is you know I, I know that we could go down to seven, yeah. but um, yeah, there, there there's a rare few cases where five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, I think uh, so. So here's but so Uber formed an IPO base, and it actually and it's picking it up in MarketSmith, mm-hmm. and it broke out of the IPO base today. Yeah. So forty five dollars now. Uber doesn't have any earnings, right? Right. They have, and their sales are okay. Yeah. Right. And they're and they're losing billions of dollars each quarter or, or something, right? Uh, but the stories there, obviously, the stories there. Right. They have the huge brand name, and mm-hmm. people don't say, "I'm going to go and get use my mobile phone and get a, a car, mm-hmm. call a car." I'm going to Uber. Yeah. Right. And the so same way that, that Google became, exactly. you know, yeah. Absolutely. So I always love that when when people are just kind of turned into a verb. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so so that now obviously it's not just the other interesting thing with Uber is it's not just uh, hailing down a car get getting a car you know, almost instantly these days uh, they're doing Uber Eats yes. right so now that's I think from what I read that's the biggest delivery service yeah bigger than Grubhub and all this mm-hmm. so they're they're doing that they're looking into self driving kind of cars right they're, so they're they're taking this huge kind of user base that they have. Mm-hmm. And they're figuring out other ways to monetize mm-hmm. it. Other ways to serve them. And, exactly. you know, the monetizing is the big thing. I like how you said thing. serve. That, yeah. that sounds a lot kinder. Yeah. So the, the, the big thing, though, is monetizing. And this just reminds me of when Facebook came out. Facebook, of course, everyone knew about Facebook when that IPO. I mean, everyone was so excited, you know, in the same way that they were excited about this one. But what happened there, and if you, you know, pull up these charts, folks, you know, on MarketSmith, you can go back in time. You can do a change date. Facebook came up to 45 on the IPO date. Exactly and then, 45. Yep. Exactly 45. And then it pulled back and didn't do anything for a year. And it didn't have earnings. Right. You know? And so one of the things we were waiting for was for it to have earnings, was for it to form that first base. When it finally did, we were all over it. We weren't touching it before that. Now, Uber, you know, in this case, it got on its IPO day, 
up to 45. Exactly it, 45. Exactly 45. It's now gone through a base and it's broken out. It's not doing this one year long, you know, right. let's see. So now, granted, what Facebook, when it finally got on our radar as, you know, it's formed the base and everything and it looks so interesting, it had figured out that monetizing and, you know, its earnings, I think, grew 55% that first. They figured out mobile. Yeah, right. and, and advertising the, yes. was the big exactly. thing. So, you know, who knows how long it's going to take Uber to figure out that that profitability aspect, but if they can show you know more ability to monetize these different things, that could be very interesting. But on the technical side, the chart is looking very interesting. The fact that it got above that forty-five level today. Yeah, and now one thing to keep in mind: IPO bases, they're they're they're, they're a shorter base. The the filler rate is higher, mm-hmm. and and so keep that in mind. And we are still market and correction. We are market correction too. But these are the things that you have to have on your radar because these could be the opportunities of the future. So this is this is the good time to do your research. Okay, speaking about the future, now the, the future of the way we're eating or, or things we're eating obviously continues to change. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the, an interesting new stock has come out recently, mm-hmm. last three, four weeks, Beyond Burger, uh, B-Y-N-D. Yeah, Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat. Yes. That's right. Cause, cause You're a, thinking a, of the products. I am thinking yes. of the products, because, and I tried it last year. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and and it was I, I originally guess it was the burger patties. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were pretty good. You know, you throw them on the grill, and uh, versus the veggie burgers, right? Definitely a, an improvement. Not yeah. still not as good as you know a regular burger. But there's definitely that aspect of you know getting the texture a little bit yeah, better. You know, exactly. I mean, a veggie burger. It was like okay, you know, that's not even close. Right. You know, type thing. The texture right. and everything. But that's too many vegetables. Yeah. Now it's well, it's still vegetables, but yes. they're uh, they're you know, definitely getting. With. Yeah, yeah, a lot closer to the 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 look, taste, and feel. Right, and and so th- so they have the the Beyond Burger mm-hmm. as one of their products. Right. Uh, now they also have Beyond Sausages too, which mm-hmm. th- those aren't bad <laughs> actually mm-hmm. too. So so it's a really and, and so talking about kind of a game changing uh, kind of product. Uh, it's an improvement over, and I guess it's building a better mousetrap for for. The category they don't want to eat meat, right? But they still want to have a barbecue and, and still participate with all mm-hmm. the the meat eaters, yeah, out yeah. there. Um, so it's got it's it's gotten a lot uh, better. So the, these guys came out uh, May second. They've been <laughs> they've done pretty well. It's pretty mm-hmm. much a rocket ship so far. These guys haven't uh, Beyond Meat has not uh, formed any type of base just yet, right? On this, so so we're waiting for that. Well, and here again, this is what Allie and I were talking about. We actually, uh, in the video that we were discussing, uh, one of the Stock Market Today videos, was Beyond Meat as a potential IPO base. Yeah. And so this this one was kind of coming out of something. It, it ended up being very short. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so. That's right. Okay, so this is where, yeah, so, so yeah, so this is the short, really short uh, mm-hmm. IPO base. Right? And it did break out, but yeah. then. It didn't go anywhere. Again, we have the market pressure. That's right. probably an aspect of that. Um, but now it's it's right back at new high. So this is one that's definitely trying to buck the trend. Yep. You know, the market is trying to hold it back, and it's like, no, you know, you, you can't hold me down, you know, type <laughs> thing. Um, and now this is another one that doesn't have earnings growth at this point, but the revenue growth on this is triple digit. And this is something when Chris and I are looking for ideas, a lot of times. Um, you know, when we see that triple-digit phenomenal revenue growth, that can really be something that entices us into some of these IPOs. So this is definitely one to to keep on your watch list, uh, and and see if it forms gives you another uh, maybe more of a traditional base now. 
Um, but it has gone on a really great run. RS ratings in 99, and so it has definitely uh, been bucking the trend. Right. So keep your eye on the IPOs and the software stocks. And remember to keep your watch list fresh because this market could turn around. We could get a fall today in the next week or so. Who knows? And mm -hmm. so you want to be ready. Thanks, Justin, for being here. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we will have Charles Harris, longtime portfolio manager uh, since 2000. Yeah. And he we used to sit next to each other. Oh, did you? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. I, I thought we had our special little yeah, moment well, there. Yeah, well, before, yeah. Before you, it was Charles. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charles will be here. Justin won't. Uh -huh. And uh, Charles and I will talk about pullback trading uh, or buying on pullbacks. Yeah. And, and, you know, he does a lot of swing trading, too. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's perfect. a perfect kind of continuation of what we spoke about today. Mm -hmm. I'm Arusha Pires, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.